0: You're listening to an audio message from The Well, a gospel-centered church family in Hastings, Nebraska that exists to grow disciples and glorify God. For more information, please visit www.thewellhastings.com. We're going to be in John 21, 15, if you have a Bible with you, which is nice to see. And I saw the most beautiful thing right before service. I don't know if everyone knows what your church leadership does. They call It, it has a cool name, too. It's called Roll Call. You know, coming from the service, what's it called? It's called well-synced. Well-synced? But do you call it roll call, that thing we did? Well-synced roll call? Sweet, I love that. It was just like coming from the service, we did these pre-operation briefs, right? Get everyone together, make sure everyone's in their positions, where they need to be, who's doing what, if someone's missing, go find them. Let's pray for the church. Let's pray and what you did, dude speaking life into people's life. Nobody's doing that anymore, right? They're speaking life into their own life. If you want a big mega church, you tell people how to make their lives better, not how to make other people's lives better. You guys got a leadership here that is amazing. Um, that, was a, that was beautiful, like just so beautiful. So feel honored. I was glad to be a part of that. And it just ties in so well where we're at, John twenty-one fifteen. 15. And this picture we're going to see is Jesus talking to Peter, or Jesus talking to you. Um, so before we get going, Father God, I just thank you for the opportunity to be here at the Well Church, to see their hearts of so the leadership team before service taking what they do seriously. Hearing the voice of the worship team and the voices in the congregation singing praises to you, you're active in this place. It doesn't matter the size or the population or the, of a church. It matters the heart and the spirit of the church seeking you. So we just pray that you be with us this morning as we get into your word and we learn about this man, Peter. Because if we all Take a moment, we can relate with this dude with what he's gone through and what he turned out to be. So, Father, we open up your word this morning, allow your words to speak through me, don't. Let them see a sinful man just trying to give a perfect understanding, which is impossible, of your perfect word. Let your word jump out of, out of these pages. Touch the hearts that need to hear from you this morning. In your name, amen. So again, John 21, 15. Can you imagine um, sharing your life with an individual? Years of your life. You've poured into, it could be your kids, it could be your family, a best friend. You've shared meals together. You've shared hardships and triumphs. and um, You've poured your whole life into them. And all of a sudden, when push came to shove When like you were at your lowest end, and you needed their help, they were nowhere to be found, right? That would be tremendously hard. If you go back to the story of the prodigal son, that father was there. There was actually a wealth to give this kid to go do what he wanted to do. But it probably wasn't what that father was hoping that kid would want to do, right? Um, No parent wants to see their kid run away. Um, watch them go into uh, debauchery and live that life that they think looks so cool and it's got to be heartbreaking. Because you've spent actual time, blood, sweat, and tears into that life. And this is where we're at with Peter um, because that happened, right? The the last thing on your mind was going to be, you know what, I want to spend more time with that person. I want to share a meal with them. Not only share a meal with them, prepare a meal with them and see if we can start a new relationship. A lot of times it doesn't work that way. Do um, you, you want to cast them off, to say the least? Um, so as we pick up in John 21:15, 15, we're going to see this. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Feed my lambs. Then he said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to me, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Tend my sheep. And he said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, Do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Feed my sheep. So I took some time and listened to Joe's past messages last weeks and the weeks leading forward and then hearing that your women's ministry is also studying 1 Peter. I was like, Dude, this is like divine intervention of... I just didn't choose that out there. I was like, man, I wanted to teach on Peter. And it's important to unpack who this Peter dude is, right? Um, so Peter, one of the first disciples, you'll see he comes on the scene in the book of John, John 1, 41. Jesus is starting his ministry, walking around. First he chooses his brother, and then his brother goes and chooses him. And then he has that encounter with Jesus, right? He's like, uh, you're no longer... First he's Simon. He's like, you're going to be Cephas, which is Peter. Um, so let's go. So Peter's not like jazzed up. I'm going to walk with this Jesus guy. I was already walking with John the Baptist. So it sounded cool. This guy was even better. John the Baptist said, yeah, go with them. And then we know what Peter does. He's really boastful, really proud. He's the only disciple we get to see his failures. All of them. Um, the other... Matthew and Mark like to capture the story of Jesus calling him a devil, right? Goes that far. It's crazy. It's also the only story out of all the books of the gospel. John's the only one who captures Peter's de, um, yeah, captures Peter's fall with Jesus. All three, all four of these gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They capture Peter's foot in his mouth, personality. None of the other disciples we get to see that kind of personality. Peter's whole life is captured, the way he acts, um, how boastful he is. Jesus even foretells in John 13 of his denials, right? So we have this guy, and we see him in all the other Gospels as you're reading through the New Testament at the beginning of he's going to be Someone crazy, and if you've seen that show "The Chosen," if you haven't taken the time to see any of those um, shows, they do a beautiful job of showing who Peter in that personality, I was like, I can do this. I'm strong, I'm capable. Um, and you know I'm proud to be on the winning side of what he thought that looked like of a new Messiah coming to take over um, and free the Israelites with force. Because obviously, he's a guy who, when they came to get Jesus, slashed off the ear. You know, just that action of who Jesus is. But does he think real quick? Um, probably not. I am kind of relate to that guy. I, re- I re- react emotionally and quickly. Um. So he's really relatable, this Peter guy. Um, then in John... 18, we see that's where it begins, the denials of who Christ is. And we can relate with that. So we've been walking with Christ, and I know there's been times where I've been in a group setting. I'm the only Christian, and stuff are going on. They're like, you go to church, right? they like, yeah, but how do you feel on this? And you start mumbling for those words. You feel that. You're like, man, I let Jesus down too. So you can relate with Peter. Then Peter goes on fishing, Right? Jesus was crucified, the denial thing's happened. He's resurrected, he's back on the scene again. He's revealed himself to all the disciples a couple of times, but it's not really like what Peter was thinking. He gets impatient. We Joe talked touched on this last week. We see Peter getting the bones like I'm tired of waiting around of this. I'm going back to work. Um those guys, okay, we'll come with you. So they go out fishing, they they don't catch much and Jesus is back on the shore. He's like, hey, have you caught anything? And they're like, who's that guy? And he's told, he's like, that's Jesus. And Peter, in that personality of who he is, and we can have that, that zeal of Christ, that emotional um, feeling that we can get. And you'll see that in churches where they like to capitalize on the emotion of an individual. Let's play that word. That great song that dimmed the lights down. Um, give them a word that you know makes them feel better, how they can better themselves, and what happens. You'll have people jumping into the water, swimming up to the pulpit. You're right, trying to be saved. Like, ow oh, I want that. But then when they walk through those doors and there's still life out there, it's different, right? Um, the wind gets taken out of the sails. So we saw. Peter, and we see Peter. Now we're on the scene, you know, I love the red lights, they kind of work out. There's like a fire going, and that conversation happens. Can you imagine that, um, that scene? Have you ever had that with an individual where, you've, where they've hurt you, and they've taken the time to, or you've taken time to reconcile a, a relationship with them, and you're sharing a meal, and You just start asking that question over the fire, like, do you love me? Peter's name could be exchanged. He didn't even use his name, Peter the Rock, right? He's calling him Simon. He went back to the beginning before he found Jesus, before Jesus called him to be Simon. He's like, we got to start all over with you, right? Let's get a foundation of, do you love me? Three times he asked this question, right? But they're all different. The first one is, Do you love me? Feed my lambs. Then we're going to see, Tend my sheep, and back to feed my lambs. These are three different times. When studying this, like each day, it was something different that stuck out to me. I went all the way back to like God and Jesus having the same type of conversation. They're over a meal, they're looking down over creation, everything's gone. It's kind of crazy. Down there, it was like, Jesus, do you love me? He's like, of course, you're my dad. I I love you. Like, you got to go down there. They need some feeding. And then again, do you love me? He's like, yeah. I love you, Dad. you got to go back down there. You've got to tend to these sheep. They have no idea what they're doing. Look at what they're doing. One more time. Jesus, do you love me? Yeah, Dad, I love you. You're going to have to go down there and feed them again. Three different times. That correlates how many days was he in the grave? Three days, right? How many things nailed Christ to the wall? Three. Right? It's that sign of completion. We need you to go down there, Jesus, because they're lost. They need fed. They need tended to. They need fed again. These three words that we want to see and look at right now is like, what kind of feeding does Jesus do when we look at him? And as us as parents with children, with kids, um, as church leaders, it's the same with the people that we interact. They need to be fed spiritually, show them how to pray, what does, what's important. That's what Jesus sets out to do first, right? He comes down and he feeds them and shows them. He feeds them tangibly. He feeds 5,000, he feeds 4,000. Know, he goes. He's always eating. <laughs> Jesus loved to party and eat, it looked like. He was like, uh, I'm going to your house, feed me, right? got something to drink let's let's do that so they were feeding them physically and then he tended to them husbands and wives people who are married people who have kids if you're surprised like if it's been a number of years and you're like oh my wife's changed she wasn't like that before it's like how much time have you spent with them right when you look at a shepherd i don't know how many people are farmers who have livestock There's the feeding of your livestock, right? You go out, you grab the grain, you just throw it and feed it, um, feed them physically. Make sure they have water, make sure they have what they need to just have energy physically. But the tending is the one that's the hard one. Tending, you actually have to take time out of your day to spend with the individual, with your people, in order to understand what's wrong with them right? Who needs the healing? Whose spirits are like heavy weighted where you need to speak life into them? Who just need someone nice to listen to them because the whole life, the whole world no one listens to them? Um, other things that Jesus does when he spent time with them he counseled them into their spirit, right? But he wouldn't have known these things if he was just walking right through You know, if he didn't take the time to take the long way around to get to Jerusalem, instead of going through Samaria, right? That was the, you know, he had to take time, and he was stopping and spending time with people. So if you do have wives and kids, and you're in a relationship, and there's tension in there, ask yourself, how much time am I spending with these individuals? Uh, How much time am I tending with these people? Because that's where growth starts. That's where you're able to start seeing maybe my communication stuff isn't quite up to snuff. Where is their spirit lacking that I'm not speaking into? Um, and then allow them to speak into you. So tending in John 21, 15 that he's, Jesus is telling me here, he's like, you're going to have to go and spend actual time with him. It's easy to go in and just give someone food, have a good day, and walk on your life, right? It's that tending one that's pretty difficult. And then that third one, that another feeding one. So we've gone through feeding physically, getting to know the individual spiritually and where they're lacking. So we can do this third feeding of where in their spirit can we sharpen each other? That's what we're told where two or three are gathered, the spirit is there with them. You know, always have another person with you so they can lift you up, so you're not sleeping with your own head in the mud, right? Because you can have this opportunity in this third feeding to lift up people's spirits. Um, John or Joe was talking about last week how Peter had the audacity to go and tell the churches that hey, Jesus is that stumbling block that you guys crucified, and now we're, we're lost without him. Um, but in this opportunity that Peter has with Jesus, he's being restored. It's one of these attributes of God that we're seeing here, which is grace. The graciousness of who God is, of who Jesus is. J.I. Parker, in his book, knowing God defines grace as this. God's love freely shown towards guilty sinners, contrary to their merit, and indeed in the defiance of their demerit. It is God showing goodness to persons who deserve only severity. Right? This is Jesus with Peter showing grace. Not once does he recount anything that Peter did. He doesn't have a litany of a list of all the things he did. In spite of Jesus, where were you when I needed you? Why did you deny me to a little girl? And in public, when your feet were held to the flames and you were warming himself around another bonfire again, you denied me. He never did any of that. So many times when we're trying to make a reconciliation in a relationship, we spend more time recapturing how that person may wronged you. Because it's easy to do. It kind of makes you feel better when you let them know where they fell short. I know in our marriage, when I do that, it doesn't really help foster any type of new growth to step forward in our relationship. It's when she shows me grace. When we're in public, I have, you know, we're, we're best friends, so best friends like to jab at each other and um, joke on each other. But when she's your spouse, it's not like the right thing to do. I know one time we were at a potluck, and I was getting the laughter of the jokes at my wife's expense. And, you know, you could see her heart hurting, or you get that little look when you're married. It was like, you better shut up and keep a couple more jokes coming. Um, it's going to be over in a long, quiet road, quiet ride home. And it was true. It was a long, quiet ride home. But the next morning, instead of saying, hey, you said all these lists of things, her grace was there for me. She... That like could never happen. She was still happy and go lucky, but we're flesh, so that the list came back later when I made her mad again. But it was that picture, real quick, of like she had every right in the world for Sunday to wake up and not serve me. Well, yeah, that's a bad word. I don't know how to say that one. Not serve me, but not be gracious to me, right? Not to ask how did you sleep? What do you want to do today? What are your meals? And this is. It was just a beautiful picture of this grace that um, Jesus is showing Peter. Charles Swindoll, in The Grace Awakening, writes, The word grace is related to a Hebrew term that means to bend or to stoop. It includes the idea of condensing favor. Imagine a king or a queen passing along the street, then stopping to touch or bless a commoner. Nothing in the person deserved the attention of the royal family. It was grace. And in Our Daily Bread in 1997, it says, Grace is everything for nothing to those who do not deserve anything. Peter didn't deserve anything. He deserved to be let go, forgotten. Um, He had plenty. He could have replaced them with people who were devoted, who didn't bail on Jesus But we see that picture of Jesus again, or not Jesus, but Peter again. When the two women go to the tomb, they see that it's empty. They go back and tell Peter and John, it's like, hey, the resurrection happened. Peter takes off running. John, again, likes, like the other Gospels, we see a little bit of humor of the writer here. He's like... Peter took off running. I'm way faster than him, but Peter in his boneheadness just charged right into that too. That's the picture we want to have, right? Um, You see new believers when they're fresh, they want to charge right into everything ministry. They want to be a part of everything at the church until they realize how much time it actually takes to do ministry, to be a part of the church. Especially when it starts crowding into the Tuesday night pool hall meeting that you've had for years or the Thursday night we go out for wings and watch the game with the friends. Once ministry asks you to start pulling in pulling, starts pulling you away from those activities it's like, ooh, what's more important? Keeping these activities that I had before or being where God wants me to be. And that's another picture we we're seeing throughout the Word it was like, how do you know what Christ wants you to do. Where to be in your relationship with your spouse, with Jesus, within ministry, within your churches and communities. It's that key part of abiding with Jesus. That's why over and over we uh, get the picture of the tree, right? The person who is in Christ, living in Christ, is tied to that vine and they're going to produce good fruit. These branches in these jars here, you know, they were broken off, I don't know if they're real ones or they just broken off a tree or something like that, but you can't take that branch, shove it in the ground, give it as much water as you possibly want, give it the best soil, but it's never going to produce a fruit. Right? It's never going to produce what Christ intended that branch to produce. Why? Because it was broken away from the vine. And it was cast away. You guys done a good job putting some lights on it and making it really cool. Um, but it's actually useless, right? A broken off branch from a fruit tree, no matter how much work or tending you put into it, will never be what it's supposed to do. That's why we're told to be back into that vine. To stay as close as that vine where it is Never departing from us. They want you to plant that fruit tree next to a well or running water of river. There's a story of this um, grapevine in Germany where the root goes down into the ground and travels over three and a half miles to get water. They don't water it, they don't do anything with it. They just, it was, the plant did it himself. But the vine dresser, Does what to it? He goes to it and takes away all of the stuff that would steal away from that vine. And it looks painful, right? Because he's got little shears on him, and he's cutting branches off, and he's tying branches up that are on the ground that need to be cleaned off. But that vine dresser never has to water that plant because it's getting its source of water and nutrients that never runs dry. So this grapevine is able to produce like the best wine in this German um, village. And it's been there for, I think, it was like a, 105 years. Can you imagine that? And the size of the vine that the branches are attached to is something about that big, about the size of a basketball, it said. And for a grapevine, if you've ever seen one, that's a big... Vine. And the grapes it produces are sweet. That's what Jesus is working on Peter in here. He asked those three questions for a reason to prune away anything in his life that needs to be taken away. It's like, are you willing to spend time with the people I'm about to send you to? Are you willing to feed them physically? Are you willing to? speak in their lives spiritually so that they can walk with me? Because when we keep going in 15, we get a picture of what's going to happen to Peter. So 21, picking up in 18. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, You will stretch out your hands, and another will dress you and carry you, and you carry you where you do not want to go. This is said to know by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, "Follow me." So, if you know the story of Peter, he goes on, becomes the rock, right, on where the church is going to be founded, to the tune of crucifixion. Some say upside down, the debate, was word's still out, but the dude died. He martyred to share what was worth of the king of kings who showed grace to him. When he justly deserved to be cast away and pruned away from the uh, the other disciples, he'd be like, oh, this disciple's useless, we can prune him away, and I can do just as good work with the other remaining ones. He he didn't tarry. He kept going. We see that loving picture. He's never going to leave us or forsake us, right? Because we're told in Lamentations 3.22, for God's compassion never fails. They are new every morning. That's something I want us here, church, to take away with us um, this morning is that no matter what we allow our own selves to be succumbed to by the pressures of the world, Jesus' love never fails us. The people sitting right next to you, May, I know Autumn probably would tell you there's many times I've failed her. Um, I left the service with ten and a half years to go. All on my own mistakes, my own pride, right? not being honest, because Joe, he invited a liar, a guy uh, addicted to pornography, a cheater. I don't know if you knew this. Yeah, you knew, right? He knew he was inviting (laughs) someone sinful to stand in front of you today and try to share the perfect word of God with you. And that's humble for a shepherd like you guys have to allow someone else to come preach the word. So we didn't take it lightly. It was, was, he asked me yesterday, like, hey, are you ready? It's like, man, my heart is, and spirit are heavy, right? But I'm ready to go. God's going to prune stuff in your life. I, I met Will this morning, and he shared a little bit of his testimony of going through CR and stuff like that. You've got real people in this church. I hope you all know that. It's not something we have to walk to in life and be prideful. I've been into many churches where the shoes that most people are wearing um, cost more than like I make in a whole year. right? <laughs> or like their coats and their dress. You're like, man, am I in the right place? And we're in there for like 25 minutes, literally. You sing like three rock star songs. Pastor comes up says, hey, be nice. Walks by it right off, There comes the band again. And it's the, nec- it's, the, it's the next, you know, the next herd comes in. You don't even know anybody. Um, I shared coffee Friday with a pastor up in Kearney. And um, I was like, oh, what church do you go to? He's like, oh, I go to this big church in Kearney that has like four servers. He was like, yeah, Really? And um, so I've been going to that church for 40 years. And he's always surprised to meet new people because that's just the size of the church, right? And they're shuffling people in and out for six service on Sunday and one on Saturday. How do you meet people like that? I'm not saying it's not, it's not a good church. They're doing good things in the area. But when you have an authentic church like this where the pastor knows your name... Um, You're in a good place. You know, it takes humility to understand this marching orders we're given as believers, because when you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, as your Savior, these are your marching orders too. Because we're told to go and proclaim the gospel and make disciples of all nations. Not just pastors, or elders, or missionaries. It's anyone who takes my name. right? That, that's our marching orders. And we all have our own different circles of influence, from your family, from your work, from your gym, where you have the opportunity to do these three tasks that Jesus is giving Peter here. So take some time to realize that. Um, If you're tired, take some time to rest. You know, don't... I was reminded of this yesterday at training in Lincoln. Ministry is always going to be there. But a shepherd who is tired is susceptible to the temptations of the world. Right? Um, You watch all these discovery channels or shows of the lion. And we've heard that analogy before of what Satan is. You know, he's that lion looking to kill, steal, and destroy. But he's not going to come after someone who's well-rested, who's well-fed, who's tended to, who's walking in Christ. He's going to go, even after the believer, who is tired. Who's weak, who hasn't been in the Word, who hasn't had their quiet time. He's coming after you. Each and every day, there's a battle to be to, be, um, to fight. Yeah, that can get weary for us and be heavy. I want to continue with Peter just for a second before we wrap up, because it's funny. Um, so John wraps up just to make sure we know who Peter the man is. Peter the man is super prideful still. He's like, thanks You've invited me back to come and follow you. This is the second time now Jesus is telling Peter to come follow me. Right at the beginning, right? He says, hey, come follow me, be a disciple. And Peter, being who Peter is, he's like, "Um, what about this guy? Who's going to deny you? So I'm going to pick up. Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved, talking about John, following them. The one who has also had leaned back against him during the supper, he said, Lord, who is it that is going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he said to Jesus, Lord, what about this man? Jesus said to him, If it is my will that that he remain until I come, what is it that you, what is it, what is that to you? You follow me. That's it. Don't worry about what other people are doing. You know, I had a picture in my mind what ministry would look like, like I showed at the beginning, especially when I took a missionary position and saw my life as a missionary. I've got, there's this missionary out there, missionary organization called Free Burma Rangers. If you get an opportunity, Google that. There's a video, and what they do, these are special forces, ex-special force operators who go into, well, they started in Burma, but they go into all these other hostile countries where they're being persecuted for their faith. And these ex-spec operators are helping these people fend for themselves, feed for themselves, protect their families and their livelihoods from the radicals. Right, so that was my picture of what I wanted to be a missionary. I have a background in that, in that field. And I even contacted and I was like, hey, can I come and bear arms with you and shoulder to shoulder and let's do this? Because in ministry, you won't want to compare what people are doing. What are they doing to get so many kids to come to their youth group? What is that family doing to like never seem like they are struggling. Jesus tells Peter here, don't worry about what other people are doing. What does it matter what they're doing? I have something special for you to be doing. You just follow me. How? Right here. You know, there's so many other books, even Christian authors that write books, but none are better than this. It has stood the test of time. So we're going to do is take communion, right? We're going to do that act of worship right now that shows us the perfect picture of God's marching orders to us. Because if we read that, John 21, 15, you can insert your name in Simon's place. Mike, son of Tony, that's my dad's name. Do you love me more? Than these? More than the career you want? More than your own spouse and your own kids? More than the fame and accolades do you want? Again, Mike, do you love me? This last one, church, if you have it, insert your name. Blank. Do you love me? Church, we have our own sheep to be feeding. Some flocks are bigger than the others. Kudos to you, show-offs, or gluttons for punishment. They say a quiver fool is a family that is well, right? But you have a flock of sheep, no matter where you go, to tend to to feed. So the worship band is going to come up, and we are going to celebrate that, right? the two sacraments, the body of who Christ was that feeds us both emotionally and physically, the blood that cleanses us. Because if it wasn't for that, we would be lost. We wouldn't know where to be. Um, Father God, I just thank you so much that you didn't cast us away even though there are so many times where you have pruned at our lives that it has been painful, where you have molded things into our lives that we weren't quite sure what you were doing, but we are still thankful. If we're all honest with ourselves, we have denied you, as Peter did more than three times but yet you still loved us. You still went to that cross and you finished and paid our debt. So your body was broken for us. Remember that, church. You bled completely for us to cleanse us. That crimson blood makes us white as snow now. We no longer have to live in fear. We no longer have to live in shame as many people struggle with, right? I know I've found myself where days I don't want to get out of bed because I've allowed myself to dwell on my failures and my shortcomings and my past. But we are not captured by our past. We are made new each day. Beautifully and wonderfully named, made, given a new name to walk boldly in your, with you. So we will do that, Father, today and every day. If you're not a believer, man, today is the day for you, right? We, want, we need more people to go and help feed the sheep because there's the harvest is abundant, but the workers are few. So come and join us. If you've got a question, I know Pastor Joe and the leadership would love to talk to you about who Jesus is, what exactly he did for you, how you are set free. If you've been walking with Christ for a while, I want you to know you don't have to be anchored down by your past. Jesus loved and loves you so much that he's preparing a place for you right now. Just let this John 21, 15. Jesus loved Peter so much that he reconciled. He made it clear what his mission was to do. And if you're a believer, it's clear what your mission is to do. And that's yeah, go to love the people outside of these walls. Love your family. Love Jesus. Love yourself. So, church, think on that. And as the worship team plays these songs to wrap up this morning, take that bread and realize Christ died for me. Made me new. Restored me. His body, His word, gives me energy and strength to continue each day. And as you drink of the cup, just allow them to know that you're cleansed. You're drinking from a cup that will never run dry; that your thirst will always be quenched when you abide closely to the vine of Jesus Christ. Father, I thank you for this opportunity to be here today with this church, with your people, and we will stand and we will worship you in one body and one voice. It's in your precious name, Jesus, that we pray.